0: Welcome to the second episode of Conversations with Candace King. Today, we invite Brittany Shatley, an abstract painter living in Indianapolis, Indiana, to join us for the convo. I hope you enjoy. Welcome, Brittany Shatley, to Conversations with Candace King. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, Candace. How are you?
0: Good, I'm good. I would love to introduce you to the listeners today and Brittany is an Instagram artist that well you're an artist but I met you on Instagram and Mm -hmm. you're an abstract painter. Uh, What medium do you normally paint with?
1: Um, Primarily watercolor actually.
0: Yeah and it looks like you use a lot of fluid. Do you use fluid watercolors?
1: I do. I use um, like two paints and then I just have like a giant palette where I just kind of mix them all together. And um, I add a lot of like unique line work with ink, um, but mostly just watercolor is my
0: medium. It's beautiful. And if you want to check out Brittany's artwork, which I highly suggest you do, you can find her on Instagram at Brittany Shatley Art. And then also her website is BrittanyShatley.com and her name is spelled B R I T T A N Y S H A T L E Y. So again, that's Brittany Shatley Art on Instagram and BrittanyShatley.com on the web. And we're just going to get into talking about life and art and all the things today. And I'm so glad you uh, joined us. And um, I just want to get out started by talking about gratefulness. And I want to ask you, what are you most grateful for in this season of your life?
1: So I've been um, kind of on this journey right now to reconnect with my, my mind, body and mindfulness. So that's something I've really been focusing on right now. Um, reconnecting with yoga, journaling, um, doing a lot of reading. So I've been really grateful for kind of that reconnection with myself um especially being stuck at home a lot it's been something that's been really important to my kind of overall well-being
0: that's beautiful I love that and yes it's such a great and we're stuck at home it's a great time to be able to reconnect and do all those things um so you are in Indianapolis Indiana yes and how long have you lived in that area
1: um, well, I was born in Michigan, but we moved to Indiana when I was pretty young, and I've lived here most of my life. So I I went to school here. I went to college here. I lived briefly in Nashville, Tennessee, um, like in my early 20s, but then we relocated back to Indy, and that's where I've been like most of my life.
0: <laughs> so that is home. Yes. And yeah. I see here that you were a photographer and poet. Turned painter. Can you tell me a little bit about photography and poetry and what led you into painting?
1: Yeah, so it's kind of a weird story actually, but um, I studied photography in college and well, I started in high school, but then that's actually what my bachelor's degree is in, is in photography. Um, Painting has, or I'm sorry, poetry has always been like a huge form of expression for me. So I started writing poetry, oh gosh you know, that angsty poetry that you write when you're like real young. (laughs) I'm sure everybody has done that at one point or another. Uh, And it just kind of stuck with me. It's something that I just continue to do, whether it be through like long form writing or short poetry, just kind of, it was my first way that I began to express myself. And my grandmother actually gifted me her typewriter that her mother bought her when she was very young And so I started using that to type out my poems. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then I kind of was like, this needs a little spice to it. (laughs) So then I started painting just these little kind of just more like color washes really than more than anything, not really any shape to it, just kind of for the color. And then I'd stick those in my typewriter and type my poetry on top of them. So that's actually how I got into painting. So it wasn't like I had really like a conscious thought, like, I'm going to become a painter, you know, or anything like that. It just kind of happened organically. Evolved
0: organically, yeah.
1: Yeah. And so then I just kind of kept doing it. And then eventually it wasn't even for the poetry anymore. And it was just a new form of expression that I discovered for myself. And I've just been doing it ever since. <laughs>
0: That's great. It sounds like you've been a creative for a long time. Have you? Do you feel like as a kid you were a creative or um, tell me a little bit about that?
1: Oh, yeah. I, um, <laughs> I've i always been very introverted, but also love to express myself and like involve other people in my expression. When I was younger, it was mostly in music. I was obsessed with I'm a nineties baby. So like (laughs) I got the, all the good Disney movies, you know, like the classics, like Lion King and and all of those. And I would memorize all of the lyrics to all of the songs and then I would perform them for my family. (laughs) So that was kind of how I started off with being creative. And then, you know, just kind of evolved from there. And then I discovered cameras. And so really, yeah, you're right. I've kind of always been interested in just creating and making really anything I could get my hands on.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you, I, I kind of come from the same past. I've always been a creative. Did you feel like your family fostered it or was it hard for you to kind of navigate that world?
1: Um. You know, it's funny because I would say that in general, my family is not super creative. Um, My grandfather actually was also a poet and he was a carpenter. So, and I didn't really know that until he passed, unfortunately, but I would say in general, I've kind of always been one of the only creative people in my immediate family. And I think that that made it really hard for my parents to understand why it was so important to me and why it was something that I had to do. They really wanted me to take more of like a conventional path, you know, go to college, get the business degree do all of that and of course me being the stubborn gemini that i am i said i'll go to college but only if i can study art <laughs> uh-huh. so it they really they let me explore all of that but they always kind of tried to keep pushing me back to the middle if that makes any sense totally. um now that i'm older they They seem to understand it a lot more. It's it's easier to digest for them, I think, because they've kind of gone through each of my parents have gone through like their own journeys, Mm -hmm. and they understand now the importance of kind of, you know, the thing that you need to do in order to express yourself and and stay sane almost. So now they're kind of like done a one eighty to where it's you know complete support for what I do, but it wasn't always that way.
0: Yeah. We're in the same boat in that regard, but yeah, I'm glad that it's shifted for you. That's good.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So we kind of, we talked a couple weeks ago or last week about um, mental health stuff and you're talking mm-hmm. about expression and how art helps you express yourself. And we both, I know we both have struggled with anxiety. I know I'm diagnosed general anxiety disorder. And so I, I find a lot of comfort in, expressing myself through art, through writing, through poetry. Mm -hmm. Is that a major way that you cope with the anxiety you've dealt with? Can you help us understand a little bit what, what that is like for you?
1: Yeah. Creativity has been, I would say like the one constant thing in my life that helps me to ground and kind of come back to center. I, I, since I paint in abstract, I don't really ever have, you know, like a thing in mind. I don't go into it saying like, I'm going to paint this tree, or I'm going to paint this thing. For me, it's more painting whatever feelings I'm having in that moment. So when I'm in kind of an anxious state of mind, or I'm feeling anxious about one thing in particular, and I turn to the blank piece of paper, it's kind of as if I get to pour all of the anxious thoughts and feelings out onto the paper. And then it's kind of like a release, almost like I've given them a space to live that doesn't have to necessarily be inside my brain.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that. Do you, um, do you still write poetry? Does that still something that helps you um,
1: cope? I still write. I don't write as much poetry, I would say, but I still do a lot of stream of consciousness writing, um, kind of like brain dump kind of thing. Um, occasionally I will write poetry. I've kind of had a weird uh, poetry block for the last couple of years. Um, ever since my mom got sick, it's been hard for me to express myself in that way. So I've been doing more, um, more painting than, than poetry, but it's definitely something that I find myself coming back to, you know, it it could be like months and months and months that I haven't written any poetry. And then one day I just sit down and I'll write, you know, 10 poems all at once.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned your mom getting sick and we had kind of touched on that in our last conversation that we had. And I just, uh, I would love to talk about kind of your story in that and whatever you'd like to share as far as um, your mom getting sick and what led you to eventually be her full-time caretaker. And if you'd like to share a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So um, I'm an only child. um, So it's just me. I don't have any siblings and my parents got divorced when I, I think I was around 23 or 24 And so my mom had had been living on her own for however long that was. And in December of 2018, she had a massive stroke that left her with decreased mobility on her right side. So like she wasn't really able to move her arm and her hand as well as she used to be able to. And it also affected her speech center. So her communication skills are much different and significantly reduced from what they used to be. Um, So when it all kind of first happened, there wasn't really anyone else to kind of make all the decisions and take all of the responsibility onto themselves. My grandparents live, you know, five hours away. Like I said, my mom was single. So at least in the state of Indiana, that makes the child the, you know, the primary point person, the decision maker, all of that, so I kind of was just you know thrust into it. you know it wasn't necessarily like a choice that I made. I mean I would make it for her, obviously, but um, it was kind of like all this responsibility for someone else's life kind of descended upon me all at once, and um, she ended up being in the in the hospital you know, in total for about a month and a half. And then um, some. she had to do intense therapy after that for about probably about six months. Um, so because of the nature of her stroke, you know, with her not really being able to talk or verbalize in the same way, she really needed someone who could be super hands-on and be very involved in her day-to-day life which meant that um, myself and my partner we we ended up moving in with her um, after she was released from the hospital um because she is not really she she can communicate it's just quite different you know um she can't always find the words for things that she means she has trouble saying something so it was really up to me to um, communicate on her behalf. So I would make all of her doctor's appointments. I would contact all of her friends. Um, you know, really any kind of communication that she normally would have been able to do on her own, I kind of took on myself. So when she became sick, you know, there wasn't really any other person to kind of help facilitate that. My grandparents came up when they were able and my partner helped out a ton, but I kind of threw myself into just organizing like her entire life um, since she wasn't able to do it on her own. So I, you know, like I said, I did all of her communication for her. I set up all of her doctor's appointments. I went to all of them uh, since she had limited communication skills, that meant that she couldn't go to a doctor's appointment and then come home and tell me what happened. So I really had to take a very hands-on approach to to taking care of her. So I ended up living with her for about three, three and a half months.
0: Okay, I'm just envisioning all of this and knowing that you struggle with anxiety, how did you cope or manage or overcome these obstacles of this complete responsibility? Did you just turn off? Did you, I mean, did you have coping mechanisms during it? Were you just going, going, going and not thinking about stuff? How did you handle this?
1: So at the very beginning, when she was still in the hospital, I pretty much shut down. Like it was just a complete emotional shutdown. I don't like even really remember a ton about that time because I kind of just shut it out and blocked it out um, as soon as she came home that's kind of I think I kind of mentioned this i I threw myself into organizing, so I had a calendar where I would hang it up on the wall and write every single appointment all of her friends who were coming over and when they were helping with what you know all of that um, but then there kind of came a point where. I started to feel almost like an invisible pull towards my art studio um, where it just felt like I need to be there. And it was complicated because, you know, she needed someone with her all the time. For a while, she couldn't be unsupervised just to make sure that she was in a safe environment and, and, you know, was going to be okay. So I started calling all of her friends. Hey, can you come over? Can you come over? (laughs) Can you give me some time? And I just stole as many moments as I could to go back to my house and work in the studio. And it really became, you know, my safe space where I was like, I know I can go here and I can chill out and empty my brain for a little while. So my art practice really became almost like a life raft for me um, to stay afloat because, you know, so much of my day-to-day life revolved around taking care of her needs and making sure she was safe and healthy, and I knew it would be really easy for me to just kind of forget about myself, so I tried to make a very concerted effort to make that time and find ways to get over there Anyhow, I, you know, any way I could, I would get over there, even if it was for, you know, 30 minutes. I just was, I knew how important it was for me. So,
0: so it really informed your practice and it not only was kind of an escape, but it also started you, sounds like started you, um, creating more. if, if I Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know that I've ever had a period of so much artistic output, <laughs> you know, because, Every time I was there, it was just like create, 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 make, 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 make until almost like a not like a point of exhaustion, like physical exhaustion, but like emotional exhaustion. Okay, I've put out everything I possibly can onto all of these pieces of paper. And um, I noticed that I was painting a lot of abstract landscapes and almost sunset inspired things and open skies. And I think that being able to, to paint those things allowed me to kind of open up more space within myself. And I definitely painted a a ton of paintings in that time.
0: That's beautiful. I love that it was almost your sky, your landscape paintings is almost representative of, like you said, giving you space Mm -hmm. to breathe and space to, um, just have room for yourself. Um, So how, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, how is your mom today? She
1: is doing really well, all things considered. Um, She was very young when she had her stroke. So she was only 53, which is pretty young um, for that, for this, you know, how massive of a stroke she had. Um, She also has multiple sclerosis, which also, you know, is a neurological thing. Um, so she kind of has some other factors going on, but in, in general, her speech improves at all, all the time, you know, it's always improving. She's always finding new words, which is very encouraging for me. You know, when I talk to her on the phone and, you know, she'll, she'll ask me a question, like a full sentence. And it's just, you know, very powerful for me, especially, you know, I've, I've been through her entire journey. So being able to see how she keeps kind of working and working and working and slowly getting better is, is really incredible and inspiring. Um, but she's doing really well. I'm, I'm very happy with the progress she's made.
0: I'm so thankful yeah. for that. Um, as we kind of transition into talking more about your art, I wanna ask you um, before we transition, are, what would you say to people that have become, again, thrust into or become caregivers uh, that they weren't expecting that? What would your advice be to them? What would your uh, words be to them?
1: I would say, first and foremost, be patient with yourself um, and give yourself some grace to, to know that you're not going to do everything perfectly and that's Okay there's no one right way to experience trauma and just being patient with yourself, giving yourself time to really process everything and let yourself feel all the things. Um, I think I kind of shut out a lot of feelings and I wish I would have let myself experience them a little more fully. So I would say, be patient, give yourself some grace allow yourself to feel things. And then the one thing that I wish I would have done more of back then was ask for help. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of stigma around if you ask for help, it means that you're admitting you're failing or that there's some way that you're lacking. And I, I think I definitely felt that way at the time. And I would just say, if you're in the midst of something really, really hard, it's, it's okay to ask for help. And it doesn't mean that you're failing at anything.
0: I second that. Mm. (laughs) Asking for help is one of the most courageous things we can do.
1: Totally.
0: So transitioning kind of into talking about your art now, uh, you are starting correct me if I'm wrong you just been doing these beautiful bookmarks <laughs> on Instagram that I've been seeing and they're so beautiful oh, you. and you've been putting them out in the world and I believe you're starting a book yes. club or it has started yes funny. tell me a little bit about so
1: that. I am a humongous book nerd um actually <laughs> when, you know, my mom got sick, I didn't even mention this, but the very, very first way that I coped was to read cheesy fantasy books. Um, Uh and so reading is just a huge, huge, huge passion of mine. Um, I love reading. I love talking about books. I love, you know, really everything about it. Um, and so when I had the idea to do these bookmarks, I actually had a friend say to me like, Hey, you would be really good at leading a book club because you're so obsessive about books. And I, I know that they were kidding when they said it, or I think they were. And then I kind of started to marinate on it. And I thought, Hmm, that actually would be a really fun thing to do. So I I launched the book club. It's called the creative circle. Um, I call it a book club for curious minds. Um, I yeah, that. I I wanted it to be for, you know, anybody I know that you know, I'm a creative person and a lot of people I think who are in my community are also creative people, but um I don't know if you've read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, but she kind of just has yes, it's a it is a good one. Um mm-hmm. but she kind of describes creativity as a curiosity and I love that. I love thinking of it as being curious about things and exploring them. So that's kind of what the book club is about. Um, We read, you know, nonfiction books of all kinds of genres. We're actually about to pick the very first book. I'm not sure what it'll be yet, but I'm super stoked about it. Um, So yeah, that's, that's a good thing. I'm super excited.
0: (laughs) So if somebody hears this and is interested in looking for a community like that, how can they find your book club, how can they reach out to you to, to um, join this? Or is the, is the closure already for this round? No,
1: it is always open. I don't want it to be inaccessible to anyone. If you go on my website, I have a page that's dedicated to the book club. So just click on that. And then there's a link in there that will send you to, it's a Facebook group um, and it'll send you to the Facebook group to ask to join. And then you just, are welcome into the community
0: very cool do you have big books excuse me do you have books that you were choosing from for the first one or is it just kind of a How do you how do you decide which books? So I wanted
1: it to be, you know, really community oriented. So I didn't want it to be, you know, I pick the book and then everybody just has to get on board. (laughs) Um, So kind of what I've been doing is just opening it to suggestions, letting everybody make, you know, as many suggestions as they want to make and then taking a vote. So voting for the first book ends tomorrow and then you know, I'll be announcing what it is, but I'm very excited to see what everybody lands on.
0: <laughs> How exciting! I love it. I am also an avid reader, mm-hmm. so it intrigued me when I saw it pop up in my feed. I thought, oh, this looks really yeah. cool. Um, I just finished a book club with a group of women doing white fragility, and that Ooh. was a-, a great Yeah, reason.
1: that's on my to read list. I haven't gotten to it yet, but I- that's definitely one I want to read.
0: Is there anything more you'd like to tell our listeners about um, your work, about your process?
1: Um, I guess really um, I, I'm mainly doing right now I'm working on the, the bookmarks. I'm releasing them seasonally. So I have, oh, I have okay. a set that is available all the time. I call them my classics and then I'm releasing a new collection for each season. So The current collection is a summer set um, with some fun, bright colors. I've got like a pink and an orange, some, some fun ones. And those will be discontinued on the 30th of September. And then I'll be releasing a fall collection. So a whole new set of, of colors Um, book club members do get early access and a, and a discount on those. So some extra incentive there to join the book club, but I'm I'm really excited about the bookmarks, especially since reading is such a huge passion and hobby of mine. It, it makes the inner geek in me very excited to know that like one of my mini paintings might be holding someone's place in their favorite book. So um, that's what I'm working on on currently.
0: It's so cool when passions merge, mm-hmm. like when you have one area of your life and it starts to kind of meld into another area of your life. So. That's very exciting, very yeah. cool. Um, do you have any words on your bookmarks? Are they are they, just the painting, or do you include things on the back? Um,
1: I don't have any words on them. I The paintings, it's like, so I, I paint a whole painting, and then I, I have my line work process that I do, um, which is just kind of like putting white outlines almost on the bookmarks, and then I slice the painting up into individual bookmarks. So it's kind of like each bookmark is a
0: mini Brittany
1: Shatley original.
0: (laughs) I love that. Now, speaking of Brittany Shatley originals, do you do a lot of commissions? What is the main focus of your art business besides the book club bookmarks? So
1: I I try to do like a a collection of paintings every so often. I do commissions as well. I'm actually about to start one that's going to be almost four and a half feet by four and a half feet so like really big which I'm super stoked about um so I do commissions and then also series of paintings I I don't tend to have like themes or anything especially since I kind of use my paintings almost as like a journal it kind of is just whatever comes out from that phase in my life is kind of just what I go with
0: Yeah, and I I see here you said that your um, paintings are an open book just waiting for the viewer to fill out the pages and give it a story, which I think is so beautiful. Well, thank you.
1: Yeah, I think one of my favorite things is when I do shows and people come up and tell me what they think the paintings look like. Because for me, like I said, I don't go into them with any kind of expectation on what I think they're going to look like or what I want them to look like. So when people come up to me and they tell me, oh, it reminds me of this thing I saw at my grandma's house or, oh, it reminds me of this mountain that I hiked once. It's a really cool experience for me to feel as though, you know, whoever is looking at the painting kind of can imprint themselves upon it.
0: Yeah, they can have their own experience with it, which I love about abstract art. That's one of my favorite things is each person can interpret it in a different way. Yes, it's so cool. um, Find their own story within the painting, which is such a beautiful thing. Okay, so Brittany, I just want to thank you again for sharing your story. I just want to ask you before we close out today, what is your favorite thing about making art? And how would you encourage other creatives right now during this season of being stuck at home. Some of us, I know for me personally, creating has been a little bit of a struggle because I don't have any shows coming up. I don't have things planned in the future. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm, I'm curious, what is your advice? What is your um, encouragement to people that are, that are creatives right now? And what is your favorite thing about art being creative?
1: I think that my favorite thing about art is how it connects People to each other, and mm-hmm. how you know, kind of like we're talking about stories. You can really, when you look at a painting or any piece of art, really, it's like seeing a piece of the person who made it. And I think that that is probably the most impactful thing for me about art is because I value connection with others so deeply that being able to see this this piece of someone's soul that they kind of took out and put onto you know, whatever their canvas might be. That is probably my favorite thing about art.
0: Mm, I love that. And then you're encouraging words or advice to creatives during this unprecedented time. <laughs> oh gosh. I
1: would say don't stop. I guess. Mm, the world needs our yes, art, right? Yeah. I think too, that, you know, you kind of mentioned, there, there's not necessarily anything planned for the future. And I guess I would just encourage people to let that be permission to play, you know, since, Mm. since you don't have anything, you know, that you are having to work towards or that you, you know, any expectation, just allow yourself to use this time to just be free and let yourself play around and experiment and whatever. And just, yeah, give yourself permission to just go absolutely crazy.
0: I love it. You gave us permission to play today. I love it. I'm going to go to my studio. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I love that. (laughs) Well, Brittany, thank you so much again for joining us for the conversation today. And um, again, you can find Brittany's work at BrittanyShatley.com or her Instagram handle is britney shatley art on instagram and do you do you have a facebook page as well or is that just for the um out?
1: i do have facebook page i believe
0: it's britney shatley art on facebook as well okay great well we can find you there and i will talk to you soon yes sure. thank you
1: so much for having me i really enjoyed <laughs> so talking well, with uh, you
0: yeah you too bye, bye. Brittany. thank you again Brittany. For the listeners, you can find Brittany at www.brittanyshatley.com or on Instagram at Brittany Shatley Art. Thanks so much for listening today.